Kevin Eel's dad has been in charge of the State Farm Center for more than 20 years, booking everything from monster truck shows to rappers to country superstars. For this week's podcast, Eulstead talks about the challenges of booking big acts in a secondary market, the years it sometimes takes to land big acts like Tom Petty or Kenny Chesney, how the industry has changed since the era of big rock shows of the 1980s, and what it was like to work with Garth Brooks and his team, the highlight of his career. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this. Hey, Jim Rosso, News Gazette Media Vice President, reminding you that we have a ton of podcasts available at newsgazette.com every day of the week. From Dave Gentry's morning show to Scott Beatty's news hour to Brian Barnhart's Penny for Your Thoughts. Head to our website, newsgazette.com, and search for podcasts. This is Julie Worth, and my guest for Campus Conversation is Kevin Ulstad, Director of the State Farm Center for the past two decades. Right? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for being here today. Yes. Um, so I thought we'd start, you know, the, the State Farm Center went through this huge $170 million renovation a couple of years ago. Um, I think, uh, I'm sure that was quite a task for all of you. And I was just curious about how, how that went also, but the, how those improvements improved your ability to host big shows or different kinds of shows or the way you do business. Like what, how did it improve things from your perspective and, and what was that like? Well, um, there's many, many questions wrapped up in that one statement there, Julie. Uh, this whole renovation process was like decades in the making. We spent about five, I was thinking about this the other day, we spent about five or six years going through just feasibility studies, taking a look at what the facility looked like. Uh, obviously, it was going through its uh, major anniversary stages, but it was built back in 63, so when we opened it up, so it was a good 50 years old. You know, it was a great building, had a huge, huge legacy and footprint, uh, stamp on the footprint of, of central Illinois. But it was old and tired and in and time for an upgrade. So we went through like five or six years of feasibility studies and architectural or engineer studies just to get a good handle of what the building could do. And obviously talk about uh, with the architects about what we wanted it to do down the road. So it was quite the process, quite the process without a doubt. So... We basically shut the building down in uh, 2014, as you may remember, and man, those years were just a blur. It was just crazy. <laughs> it was just crazy. So we did this, uh, I think it was six or seven phases, whatever it was, where we finished basketball in in early March of 14, shut the building down, and we had like 24 hours to get everybody out of there. Wow, that All is administration, because they were tearing down walls 24 hours after after that last game. So. It was uh, it was quite the quite the fun time, put it that way. So, you know, going on here, we moved out in fourteen, uh, had to relocate everybody off site, and then full blown construction was taking place, and then we were able to get back into the facility uh, for basketball in fall of fourteen. Mm -hmm. And I kind of say we just band aided and plywood the building back back together so that we could get people in the facility and, and get the games and had, had great success in getting the facility up and running. You know, everybody had those excuse our mess signs up there, but uh, had the games and got through the season and then shut it down again in, where are we now, March of 2015. Yeah. yeah. And then went through the summer of construction and summer of chaos, get, get things going. And then came back in in the fall of 15, did it all over again, <laughs> and then shut it down again in 16, did the summer of 16 renovation uh, phases. So, yeah, we're in the phase six, I think it is, and opened back up in fall of 16 and had one heck of a grand opening. It was amazing, just just amazing. 
So what you did have quite a few acts last the early part of 2017, quite a range of acts. I mean, obviously, Garth Brooks was the big headline. programming, yes. But it was pentatonics i think right we had Green Day. Uh, three events back to back to back uh oh, the monster truck show no. 1975 which is a college rock band then jumped into uh, i believe it was pentatonics uh, right out of the chute and then did a men's basketball game and um had a country show in there too dirk smentley as a matter of fact so there and was then a, a few lot. months later was the garth brooks the garth marathon. brooks experience <laughs> the experience why we're talking about that i had some great memories of that last night watching the live notre dame uh outdoor concert it was on cbs last night so it brought back some incredible memories about what we went through with those four sold out shows in uh, what was it, april of 17 which was just amazing it's a highlight of my career with, without a doubt was without it really it was it was incredible experience and those were ultimate professionals that we were working with you know they obviously know what they're doing and and do it quite well so uh, we all got some great lessons in professionalism on how to produce uh, a mega hit 60,000 people four sold out shows uh, grosses were just amazing so yeah yeah that was that that grand opening year was incredible <laughs> did you get to meet the man himself at those of course concerts? yes yes <laughs> do you meet all the all the acts that come um, i have a good opportunity once in a while yeah. uh and, and meeting garth and and trisha and, and and all their production team was was quite a highlight like i say that was one of the feathers on uh, on their cap of my career and and will obviously go down uh as one of the tops one of the best uh amazing he's he's the true he's the real thing uh cordial nice works with all the staff i've heard that from a number of his touring staff too is you know he's a good chance to meet him but also his touring staff his production team and they all just glow about what a great experience it is to be a part and, and they're privileged to be a part of such a juggernaut as it runs across the country um from like i say the ultimate professionalism and they know what they're doing without a doubt what did you talk to him about like how long did you spend with him when uh, you met him what a chance just to well, not really, you know catch up we're not long lost buddies by him by had you means, met him before though i have not met him before okay, okay no 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 i had not well uh, a big part of my conversation was is there's a tornado coming at us oh, <laughs> on saturday afternoon that. yes that. that was uh quite the hair-raising experience when we had a Funnel clouds out in our parking lots between shows, the second show, the first show and the second show on Saturday. And as a matter of fact, uh, our operations team gave me a heads up. Uh, uh, John and Tom gave me a call and said, we need to talk about this. And I had a chance to get caught up on what was going on with the weather. So we went down to the operations department and the production department. And I was talking to the tour manager and let them know that there's uh, an issue going on outside we've got funnel clouds just 10 miles away headed our way and we need to be you know i need to bring you up speed on what's taking place here so we got a chance to talk with them and they asked what do we want to do and i go well we need to obviously pay attention to the weather public safety is our ultimate concern here and getting fans in and out of the facility uh so we put up uh, you know we have a uh, a diverse weather, uh, you know, a severe weather plan, so we put that in place, and we went to Garth's manager and Garth himself, and he said, well, you guys you guys make the call. What do you want to do? I said, well, what we want to do is just, you know, post, not postpone, but delay the show until this weather gets over us. But meanwhile, we got to get all those fans out of the building and out of the parking lot, and then from the parking lot into the facility, or, you know, out of the building and the parking lot so they can get out of here, and then quickly get those into the parking lot. So we pulled all of our our parking staff out, uh, kept the police out there to help us with uh, directing traffic and got them in the building as quick as possible. 
And he was, you know, great to deal with. He says, obviously, his fans, it's his fans we're dealing with. He wants to make sure that they are safe and sound like we do as well. So we held the show, I think it was about a half hour, to get everybody in the facility and get everybody comfortable. But that was a large part of my conversation with him, was dealing with the uh, severe weather plan. (laughs) What did he do during the tornado? Was Uh, he ensconced in the basement somewhere? He he was in his dressing room. I don't know what he was doing, but it was like... uh, So he he didn't have to leave or anything? No, 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 no. And the cool thing about that was he said, well, I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) 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 If we need to postpone the show and do it Sunday, because we had one show on Sunday, instead of doing just two shows on Saturday, postpone it, and move it into Sunday. But, you know, luckily we didn't have to go to that extreme. But it was kind of funny to hear him say that. He says, as you know, I'm not going anywhere. So if we need to do this tomorrow, I'm here. Wow, that is really nice. Yeah, that was refreshing. But just a great attitude. But, yeah, it was a... Incredible weekend, of course. And uh, like do you said, have a picture 60, with him? 000. Of you with him? <laughs> I do. I do. We had a backstage picture with uh, uh, with him and Tricia and our operations and uh, our our front of house staff. It was it was quite the treat for a lot of us. But, yeah. <laughs> so Great I always experience. I'm always curious when you know entertainers come to town. Different ones ask for different things, and maybe someone asked you this already at the time. But you know, what do you remember? What his requests were like? Was there anything unusual? He's not a high maintenance guy, so I, I, you know, don't recall anything out of the ordinary. Just uh, normal food. He he ate in the same dining room that we all ate in, and you know, everybody obviously knew him and Trisha sitting in the corner, you know, kind of wave or whatever, <laughs> like you hey, make eye contact. But you you don't go crash the party and go sit at his table with him <laughs> once you've had the chance to meet him backstage. So an ordinary guy, um, like I say, just ultimate. Ultimate professional, not high maintenance, uh, normal food and beverage uh, that was on the rider that all all the crew ate is what he ate as well. So part of that question, initial question was, you know, how the improvements maybe, did it improve your ability to bring in people like him? Or could he have, could you have hosted that kind of show before? Well, the the... Big part about the renovation, it wasn't just backstage related. Where the '97 renovation that we, you know, we went through a twelve million dollar backstage renovation. I remember in that one too. Seven ninety eight, which really complemented the building to get it to be able to host larger shows because we had a one truck tunnel. Right now, with the renovation, we've got a three truck tunnel, which which is more than adequate for the bigger show. So that that wasn't augmented at all, and that. That part of the renovation helped out in 97. So this renovation, $170 million worth, was all about comprehensive, the whole facility. Uh, the backstage was, was in good shape. Like I say, the three-truck l- tunnel loading dock that we have is more than adequate uh, or is just, just right for, for the size of a building, the size of a market. But everything else backstage, like the dressing rooms, those were totally renovated, uh, expanded. Of course, um, you know, the men's and women's basketball program, their, their locker rooms are amazing. Those are all totally redone in the training center back there. Um, but the whole renovation did a comprehensive everything. I think it's easier to say what wasn't renovated than <laughs> it is what was because everything backstage, you know, except for the tunnel, um, it just got a couple of upgrades, uh, all backstage, dressing rooms, production offices, Dining facilities were totally redone. The front of house, of course, gutted the whole bowl. They right. demoed the lower bowl, uh, took out including a whole new floor, all new platforms, hydraulic seating. Uh, of course, the suites, luxury suites and boxes are uh, amazing right now. All new seats, blue seats, handrails, of course, uh, air conditioning. That's $40 million right there. I mean, that was a big part of the project. So... All in all, yes, the whole building was completely overhauled and upgraded, 
and everything we did helps to bring in the entertainment and, of course, the basketball. We've got amazing basketball games there with the men's and women's programs, and all of that was geared up towards basketball as well. So uh, what have we done to help our operation? It was everything. (laughs) In in a word. All new scoreboard, lighting. uh, Our operations team is just having a heyday there now with all of the new lighting and sound to work with. That's what I was wondering, if there were certain aspects of shows that, you know, you have higher tech equipment now to handle or the latest electronics, you know, for them to do light shows or whatever. Well, the big part of that, Julie, is it was really – a big part of the renovation, of course, was basketball-centered. Okay, so all-new sound system. We've got six line arrays in that system right now, which are speaker stacks that just have incredible sound. And Doug, our, our professional sound guy, just loves this, just loves this. Uh, and it has amazing sound. I remember in the summer, <laughs> what we were talking about, in the summer of 16, the sound system was just put in, and they were balancing it, uh, getting it set up. And they had turned on, I think, some Pink Floyd music in there. And it was amazing. I just sat down and listened, just to listen to those six six line arrays just go through the building. Uh, was amazing to listen to. And it does, you know, they've got a direction around. Those line arrays can, can hit the floor as well as the uh, upper 200 level uh, with their direction. It's all direction-oriented. So you don't, you don't need the mass stacks and the mass speaker cabinets as much as directional directional sound. So he loves that. All new lighting as well in the whole facility uh, to help complement. They've got the uh, the chase lights that go around on the upper part that uh, can, can definitely add that flavor. Uh, we've got moving lights in there. Um, of I would think all these things would be attractive to booking managers or, you know what I mean, that mm-hmm. you have all this but that upgraded that part was equipment. mainly for basketball. What comes in I for see. the shows is the show brings their own sound systems. That's true. So that... Yeah, I say that six those six line array clusters have nothing to do okay. with the concerts. Um, we just got to get them out of the way so that the show can bring in their sound system. The show appreciates all the backstage accommodations. The shows appreciate, you know, the fan, the fan interaction, and the fans having a good time um, at the shows and easier to get to the facility. And, and it's a tighter with those hydraulic platforms also get closer to the stage, get closer to the floor. So we really got the fans closer to the action with those hydraulic platforms, and those are the seating platforms that, you know, push back to live a, to, to leave a big floor or, once they're fully pulled out, get closer to the basketball floor. So that was both basketball-oriented to get the fans close, and, and that's a big part of the renovation, right. but also gets the fans close to the stage and the floor as well. So that was a big part that the shows appreciate, uh, as well as just the overall, you know, appearances of the facility. Fan accommodations is really the main focal point of the renovation and um like i say get the get the get the teams taken care of get the fans taken care of and the shows of course love all that too did that two-year hiatus <laughs> cause any problems for you later when it came time to start booking shows again like you were people off people's radar it doesn't appear to have been yeah, a problem we, in 2017 but uh, we yeah. fell off the face of the earth there for three years <laughs> is what happened oh yeah that was a, a heavy surge on our marketing program to go back after the agents, go back after the promoters and said, all right, um, you forgot about us now, which in turn we sent them marketing material saying, hey, this is the renovation. I made some some trips to Nashville, L.A., uh, out into um, 
uh, New York, of course, to deal with the agents and let them know this is what was going on. Uh, you're not hearing from us for a reason, and you know we're, we're going to come back and we're going to be pushing hard for the you know the grand opening and, and from there on out. So, yeah, they uh, were excited for us, but you know the agents are yeah yeah whatever whatever okay. <laughs> we'll believe it when we see it kind of thing. You know, I, don't tell me something you're going to do in three years. I want to know about it now. So that was a heavy push that we put on uh, the whole time period and uh, ramped up heavy and uh, we've had some great success with it and, and keep pushing you know we're always we're always pushing we're a small market uh, we're a great building I, I refer to it as we're an incredible building still in a small market though we got to be careful of that and the agents and promoters are, are, are watching that and watching the success um, that we're having as well yeah, how is the small market an issue sometimes for it is uh, there's not without a question you know we're a we're a small market and we've got to be careful with that as far as competing with ourselves is very easy to do that so you want to space it now, I, I often say it's all about diversification in our programming we have a wide variety of different shows because we have to um, to be successful we can't have just a bunch of country shows or a bunch of rock shows or a bunch of family shows we've got to space those out and uh, and we do a good job of it as far as the diversification and programming as you you know as you can see uh, a lot of our issues come down into getting the available dates you know or our, our priority first of all is the basketball program get them comfortable get their priority dates established and then university functions like graduations and those and then we backfill it with the available dates we have to work with um, but so getting getting shows into the December through March is is tough because we're very much uh, basketball dominated during that time period so dealing with the agents promoters they you know they're familiar with that they they understand that and um, have to you know work around us do you know we'll always lose some shows during that time period because of date availability um, and that's not uncommon you know for some of the professional teams that are doing hockey and, and basketball too um, during this time period it's 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 tough is that why you had so many things in April last year? Like all of a sudden it seemed like... It opens it up. Yeah. yeah. September, October, um, April. April's you know, a good opportunity for to do events. But we also are hosting a number of other tournaments. We've got uh, a national wheelchair uh, tournament coming to town, basketball wheelchair uh, coming in mid-April. So that's going to take about five or six of our dates. Uh, as well, and we've got uh, some some other great tournaments, gymnastics tournaments coming in early April too. So like I say it's all about open dates to work with, and then getting those to gel with what the agents promoters have uh, have scheduled for the Midwest. We can have open dates, so it's booking the facility is like a jigsaw puzzle. There's mm -hmm. a lot of moving pieces uh, as as it goes into it. Um, we've got to determine the available dates we have to work with. Uh, we're constantly in touch with agents and promoters to find out what is touring and when are you going to be in the Midwest. It doesn't make any sense at all to say, hey, let's go after that band during April when, they're, when it's a West Coast swing. Uh, we may have to wait to the second leg of that tour to have that opportunity. So, like I say, a lot of moving pieces, um, but we're constantly in touch with them and, and putting you know, Champagne or Band in front of them. Do you often get people sort of <clears throat> moving from St. Louis to Chicago and they stop here in between or Milwaukee to, you know what I mean, between bigger cities? The routing, yeah, yeah. Great, Juliet's a great uh, observation because it's, we're put right, you know, you know, fixed right between on 72, 57, 74, perfect opportunities to grab traffic that's going to or from Indy, Chicago, St. Louis, and a lot of times we'll target that. 
Uh, I remember on the Tom Petty tour, we were chasing it with William Morris. Uh, I know Mark Geiger, who's the head of William Morris out in L.A., and I'd been talking to him for three years on Petty. When's he going back out? Uh, situation. He said, well, submit the offer and we'll see what happens to it. So it's all about routing and opportunity. They were on their way to either Indy or Chicago. I wasn't sh- I'm not sure now. Um, I thought I remembered talking to you about that, or maybe I saw it in a story. Yeah, but it, that was, was it was kind a of routing a- opportunity. And to get a major, that was a major market tour to land in Champaign, uh, was uh, a major coup for us to pull that off. Um, and um, it did well. Uh, did very well, and the agent was happy with us, and fan fan base went nuts to see Tom Petty. And of course, during you know seventeen, you know prior to prior to his passing, was you know brought some major memories on to a lot of people, myself included. I'm a big fan. It was it was a great show. Yeah, I'm sorry I missed it because you missed a big show. Yeah, right I know. There. Well, and you've heard this before. You know, back when I was in school in the dark ages. There were, it seemed like, a lot more rock bands at the time. At, you know, I saw Bruce Springsteen. Rock dominated, yes. Yeah, I saw Bruce Springsteen and The Police and Dire Straits and a bunch of other people. Um, and there does seem to be at least more diversity now. And, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of your biggest, I guess Tom Petty's not really country, you know, a lot of your biggest headline acts are, are country-oriented. Is that just kind of the way things are now? Or is there a, a t- is it just this drive for diversity that you were talking about? Or is there something like... Is it easy? Is it harder to get a mega rock band here these days? Well, we have to follow the trends that are going nationally, of course. Now, what, where are the bands that are selling tickets? Take a look at that from a national perspective. Country music is dominating right now as far as selling tickets and touring. Um, you mean over no other over music over styles? Oh, yes, okay. yes. Um, you know, classic rock is still out there and doing well. But if you look at who's dominantly selling tickets... It's 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 country and it's some of the real hot pop, the Drake, the Jay Z's, the Beyonces, and they're only major market players. They, they would only, never think about Champagne. Or? Well, right now they're only playing major markets, so that's what we have to deal with as well. Uh, to step out of that comfort zone, and it's all about the GP, the, the gross potential of that show, and not to say that artists are greedy, but artists could be greedy in some of that situation. They'll play the majors where. You know, Chicago market. You know, they'll they'll pay two fifty for a ticket. Where we could do maybe three or four thousand of those, but we can do ten thousand for that example. So, in Chicago, you got what ten million people to draw from up there. So, the GP is going to be stronger in those major markets. So, to get those, to get some of those, and to get some of those top pop artists to think about secondaries is um, is is a stretch. We're we're pushing for it without question. We're we're going after all of it. And like I say. I go back to diversification and programming. That is essential for us in our success because we, you know, we'll do, you know, 2025 national touring shows a year in in this facility and in a small market. Um, and breaking that up, you got to got to have diversification and programming too. And even goes back to our our theater configuration where we have Broadway. We have a very unique. We're one of like five five arenas in the country that have this capability to transform a 15,000-seat arena into a 3,000-seat performing arts hall. You know, I say our intimate theater. Well, it's can't get that intimate in that big <laughs> of a building, but it uh, we, we do it well when it comes to, to doing Broadway. Um, but that's part of our diversification. Uh, there are some shows that if they're going to play this market from a Broadway perspective, we are the place to go to. Um, sometimes Cranor can't do the rigging for some of the Broadway. They, they just can't handle that, where our... What are we have 40, 45 line sets that uh, are the moving lines 
that handle staging and props that fly in and fly out for the scenery, for the drapes, for the sound, for the uh, the electric, for the props, those those main lines that fly in and fly out. Uh, once we put our curtains up and around, it it dresses up like a nice theater. There's there's no question. So that's part of our diversification and programming. I go with it. When you were talking about the. I think you said that was the rock era way back then. Is that just kind of what dominated touring back then? It was more rock acts it was. versus yeah, other back, genres? Uh, my generation as well. Uh, if you go back and look at the the 80s and, eight, well, really late 70s or all of the 80s, that's all rock dominated. Uh, that's before hip-hop and rap really took uh, took a main stronghold upon the industry. And we've had, you know, we've had good success with those as well. We've I done had Lil Wayne last them. year, right? What's that? <laughs> you had Lil Wayne last year. Exactly. Uh, we obviously want to bring in diversification programming and, and shoot for that too. We push hard for that, but a lot of the a lot of the hip hop world or the R and B world focuses on festivals, if you really take a look at that, uh, mm. of who's selling tickets. They're festival oriented, so they'll have a cluster of them like five or six together. Uh, we'll talk about trends here uh, a little bit right now, and that's what's going on in the hip-hop world is there's not so many of them touring our size of a of a venue because a majority of them are doing the fairs and I don't say more of the festivals. I'm sorry, more of the festivals during the summer. With there's bigger venues? Five or six. Well, they're outdoors. Oh, they're, I they're see. They're playing, you know, the Lollapaloozas right. and the Stagecoach and some of those bigger festivals as opposed to focusing upon doing arena touring. Um, it's it's we have many offers out there and we're always in booking mode. We're always in offer mode when it comes to we're never done. I've got multiple offers right now that I'm still chasing for spring and you know, you know we're this is December right now so we're waiting to hear back on a couple of them. So trend wise, yeah, I, I'd say the you know the the rap or hip hop world runs in more of the summer mode into the festival mode. Um, where there's you know four or five of them together for a festival rather than just doing one or two acts and, and, and playing into arena tour. Um, there are some out there. Yes, I'm not saying it's all that way, but that's one of the trends. Uh, rock dominated in the 70s and 80s and, and still does well now, but country has done incredibly well in the last, you know, really last decade and a half if you really look at it uh, as far as what is selling tickets. Hmm, that is so interesting. We gotta, you know, we we want diversification. We want the country, the the hip hop, and of course the pop stuff and the rock stuff. But we got to be careful of what's, or we got to be mindful of what is successful touring across the nation, and who's going to tour. Probably isn't going to hit the Midwest first. They're probably going to do a, a West Coast run or an East Coast run, and then kind of see how how it works. And the safe bet is more of what they'll what they'll do in the Midwest. Do you got any big names in those offers for the spring? We might. Be well, we just in? announced Kenny Chesney. No, on I knew. Sale I knew that. Yes, week. I'm sorry. That I did mean to mention. Huge, that. huge. <laughs> we say that again. That's huge. We uh, last time we did Kenny Chesney. Last time was like 2000 or 2005, I think it was. So, you know, like 13 years later, bringing him back uh, is is a is a major play. We've been chasing this one, you know, for Kenny probably three or four years. Wow. And when are you going back into the smaller markets? Uh, so we were able to get that nod. And that's coming up April 5th. Goes on sale this week. All excited about it. Um, just announced uh, Larry the Cable Guy. The yes. Day. Check and this one out. This one's interesting, but think about it. Larry the Cable Guy, comedy, hot comedy, and Sticks, which is, of course, classic rock. Kind Take of an odd combination. <laughs> well, it's, if you look at it, it, they're both going after the 35, 40-plus demo, 
And, and you're right, a little bit of an odd combination, but it'll be a fun kind of show. That's uh, April 30th, and that just goes on, just went on sale, too, I think it was. I'm pretty sure Styx was here in the late 70s or early 80s. I think they were here in the late <laughs> 70s <laughs> and have continued. I mean, we've done them two or three times now since I've been here. Any others that we might be hearing about in the rock or hip hop world or uh, pop? I've got a couple offers. Stay tuned. Stay okay. tuned. Uh, right. We're always in that always in that uh, mode. We never stop never stop programming. We'll be we'll be chasing things two or three years out as well as you know six to eight weeks out and everything in between. Broadway Broadway's about a year and a half out. Some of the bigger tours like the Garth. The Garth was a three year in the making. Um, we started talking with him with with um, his camp, man, like fall of 13 when they started putting this world tour together. And he was saying it's going to be a three-year run, we think, in the States. And I'm going, okay, 13, 14. <laughs> We're going to be down for renovation during most of that. So we are able to massage it and keep it, keep it alive in front of uh, Ben Farrell, who's the head of the Garth Brooks world down there. And uh, they were able to extend it and keep it going. And we were one of the last, I think one of the last months of that tour, as a matter of fact. So we were very blessed to be able to get that to fit in when we just opened up the building in, in 17. We've talked a little bit about this in, in terms of booking acts, but, you know, you've been on, you've been here more than 20 years in the in the business for longer I than have. that. I have. Are there a couple of other major changes you've noticed in how this all works and, you know, in terms of the business itself? and? Well, the business itself has evolved like any business has. It, it can't be stagnant. Uh, the booking side of things, the agent side of things uh, constantly evolves as well. There's, in, just in the last 20 years, I've had many conversations with other professionals in the business addressing this issue, and a lot of it has come down into the roll-up, the consolidation of a couple of promoters. Live Nation is the, 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 big, the, the big national touring promoter out there. They'll, they'll control probably 70% of the touring industry out there, where before they were all individual regional-based promoters out of Chicago, St. Louis, Detroit area. Now with that, you know, consolidation with Live Nation and AEG is another big one. They control a majority of the touring and will set it up in that sense where they'll, you know, they'll, they'll grab their dates where they want to go, um, which is somewhat of a disadvantage on the secondary markets, I think, because there's not that go-to promoter that's in Chicago or in St. Louis that we had identified with, you know. Right, 10, and who knows, might know Champagne, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So let's take a look at the smaller markets. Live Nation focuses on the big markets, there's no question, because those are the, the higher GPs, they're going to stay in those bigger markets. So it's, that's changed, and of course, they own the amphitheaters. They own over 100 amphitheaters. You know, if you go to St. Louis, Chicago, Indy, those are all Live Nation amphitheaters. So in essence, what they're doing, and this isn't, I'm not, you know, this isn't groundbreaking information here. Um, a lot of the industry professionals know this too, is a lot of the touring businesses going outside these amphitheaters. They own the amphitheaters, so they're going to be driving some of that talent to, um, to the amphitheaters outside, and we're competing with that. that that's, that's not a secret to anybody. It's interesting. How has security changed hmm. in that time? Great question. Great question. Obviously, security and safety of our guests and our patrons is uh, number one priority, uh, without a doubt. Um, backtrack to, to 9-11, what happened with that? Everything increased uh, the security nature of, of the facility um, regarding 
you know, searches, bag searches, uh, visual walkthroughs. We were doing some some wanding um, with the metal detectors quite heavily during that time period too, and then it kind of slowed down a little bit. And obviously, with what happened over in London, you know, a little over a year ago, you know, it ratcheted up again. Uh, so. The industry changes, but it's it's evolved to the point where we've got to be very safety focused um, for everything, and and that's not a bad thing to be safety focused. Uh, we're monitoring that heavily. Well, just this year did the the clear bag policy, and right. that's safety um, safety oriented, security oriented to know what's in those bags walking in. We've always looked in them, but have never gone to that extent of saying, hey, it's a clear bag only, and we're. Doing that with, uh, of course, football as well, football, basketball, and all events. We went to the policy just this year to accommodate that for the safety and security of all our guests and everybody coming to the facility, let them know that we're doing everything we can. Um, there is discussions about uh, walk-through metal detectors. We're having those right now, as a matter of oh, fact. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and we're having many uh, proposals that we're looking at and are very favorable on those metal detectors. Uh, we like that idea. Uh, because it, and it's not new; they're being done, you know, in the Chicago's and in Indianapolis and St. Louis. Uh, and I right think it's, now, it's do time. you want people, or what do you do now? Uh, right now, it depends upon the show where we think uh, the show is more comfortable. It depends upon what's going on in the industry, what's going on in the marketplace, of uh, from a security perspective. What is what is the 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 latest? concern on safety and security that we're seeing in the Midwest or that we're seeing in Illinois. We'll go off that vibe. Talk to UIPD. They're very much involved with our operation uh, from a perspective of safety and security, and we want them involved. So we're, we're talking with them on a regular basis. So really, uh, we're not using wands on every show, but we are using wands on some of the shows uh, where it might be a more active crowd, um, you know, a, a rock show or a hip-hop show where there's more of an active crowd. I don't see that for Broadway, and there's no there's no point in doing wands for Broadway. But we're still doing the bag search. I mean, so safety and security is a priority. That's where the clear bag and open the coat policy still comes into play. Every event is that way. Uh, will we get to the point of of walk through metal detectors? Uh, that's something we're looking at right now. Okay. Right. Would that be for every show or just some? That'll be for every show. Once we roll those in, and games that too? will be for everything. Games too. Correct. Um, the 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 whole idea of the protest policy came up last year. Um, you know, it, <laughs> I know your policy is that they're limited to outside. And, uh, and that's basically the campus. I think that's a general campus policy. But anyway, I just wondered if there'd been any further discussions on that. I know it came up at the faculty senate last spring about, you know, whether it's clear and what is a protest and are things going on already that could be considered protests inside games. Anyway, you're familiar with that. But sure. has there been any development since then, last spring? Uh, what we're aware of, it's still a campus policy, and the campus has to set the policies on the campus facilities. Uh, we are a a no-protest zone in the facility, and we've got... Inside, right? Inside the facility, yes, yes. Uh, you have a ticket to get in, and that's a revocable license, and we have policies and procedures on that ticket that you need to abide by for coming in the facility. And mm -hmm. one of those is we are a no-protest zone inside. If you choose to protest or, or if activists want to, to be involved, and this has been going on for 20 years, we have an outside protest area that's marked, and you can. we're glad to show you where that space is, and you can protest peacefully, of course, uh, outside the facility, but it's not permitted inside the facility. So signs are not, and to help with that is the clear bag policy. Signs are not permitted 
uh, as well as, of course, weapons and everything else not permitted inside the facility. But to, you know, to keep it straight, protest per se is permitted outside the building and not inside the facility unless we hear differently from, from campus. I just know that campus was going to be talking about clarifying that and what it means, and sure. I didn't know if there had been any new movement and, and on any, that. You know, any concerns or um, issues on what's permitted in or not permitted in the, in the building, we have a pretty well um, description of that in our, on our website statefarmcenter.com as far as okay. what's So you on. haven't heard anything new from the no, campus no, side about new changes or anything? Okay. Correct, correct. Um, the la- I just wanted to ask you briefly about, uh, you know, you guys started selling alcohol at some shows about eight years ago, I think? We did, I think, in 2009. Or 2010, yeah. And, and check this out. Alan Jackson was our first show we I sold. I think I remember that. <laughs> I think it did very well, oh, didn't it? Oh, very volatile show, let me tell you. <laughs> but you, it's continued, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. We've had great success with that. Uh, we sell alcohol pretty much um, at all of the shows. Now, it's permitted in the premium spaces for, for basketball games, but not in the open open concourse or in the bowl itself. But for shows, it is open. For any in, concert or any show? Uh, and we've so far have not, not sold it. Okay. Um, yeah, Cause I know initially well, I'm sorry. for Sesame Street coming up, we're not selling alcohol. Right, and there were some. I think initially you said if it was just student oriented, you know, you might not do yeah, it. Yeah, if it's a very young crowd, if it's a very young, you know, very teen oriented crowd, obviously that's not going to be consuming alcohol. We don't want to put that as a safety issue in in the facility. So uh, we're looking at good point. We're looking at all the shows and taking a look at what shows are more. Um, a safer place and more of a demand from the spectator. A lot of this is demand-based. The patrons want to have uh, an alcohol-based, uh, you know, beverage, an adult beverage, at their shows. It's it's an expectation, and that's what we followed in 2009. It's an expectation for the concert crowd um, when they come to shows is to to have a beverage. And as long, you know, one thing on that is to manage it is so much better to do it when we're serving it, and we've had far less problems by selling it and managing it inside the facility than those that were out, you know, prior for us selling and those were out, you know, maybe tailgating or whatever in the before parking the show. lot before the show and coming in and then we have to deal with that problem. Right now, you know, from our security team and our uh, front of house crew do a great job of monitoring that and, and UIPD, like I say, once again is very involved in our operation. But it's easier to manage the crowd when you're serving it and watching that crowd than than having to manage it when it comes in your front door because they've been binge drinking in the parking lot or something or, or someplace. Well, I suppose that could still happen, right, even if they're going to buy inside? They're going to be – the fan base uh, understands they want to enjoy the show and they want to have a good experience while they're there. The problem with the binge drinking and having that is they're coming in and it's like, why are you even coming in because you shouldn't even be coming in the building. And then we're – you know, if it's obvious, we're not allowing them in the facility. Do you have rules like bartenders do, like if somebody looks oh, like yes. they shouldn't have any more, then you exactly. won't sell it? Exactly. Uh, have to follow all the tips training that is uh, right. licensed by the state. They have to follow all those guidelines. And uh, Spectre, who's our catering and concessions company, does uh, does a really good job with that. We're real happy with them. They pay attention to it. There are laws that you have to abide by, and there's serious ramifications if you don't follow those laws. Uh, but it's become it's, it's a successful part of our operation. And it's become an expectation to to be able to you know enjoy the show. Do you have any idea how much revenue it brings in every year for you? I know I did a story about it early on, um, but it's been a while. <laughs> it it contributes. You know, of course, we're on a percentage of that. You know, Spectre is our concessions 
okay. uh, company, so we get a percentage of that. Don't don't have that number at my fingertips, but it helps. It helps, and you know, more than anything, it helps from the agent and the promoter perspective because they'll ask that question. Our fans, Kenny Chesney fans, that was a question. Are you selling alcohol? Because back in 2005, we were not. We were not. And that, you know, back then was a concern, but it moving forward into the expectations of the fan base of, you know, of all the, you know, Luke Bryan, Jason Aldeans, it's an expectation. Uh, back to Garth, you know, back, are you selling alcohol? And if you were not, that was a strong consideration if you were or were not getting the show. Do you think he might not have come if you weren't? Or do you know? <laughs> That's a very good question. Very good question. I, I think it's to a point where they expect it because it's their fan base and they yeah. want, want their fan bases to enjoy the show. Do you see um, athletics moving to sell it generally at games anytime soon? Well, I know they're looking at it. Uh, it's something that um, you know athletics is looking at, and I know the, the chancellor is looking at with them because mm-hmm. uh, many campuses do sell it. Yeah, I think Ohio State rolled it out a year or so ago and had great success with it. I think more and more programs are moving exactly. that way. Exactly. But I didn't know if there was anything in the offing that you knew about. I haven't heard of anything recently. No. Okay. All right. Well, I think that covers it for us. Thanks so much for being here today. Julie, thank you. It was a pleasure. Okay. Great.